0: Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot.
1: St. Patrick's Day is here, and you know that's my favorite time of year. Mine too. It's not only because um, I got a lot of the Irish in me, like a, like a fine Irish coffee.
0: Well, you are a gingerbeard. I am a gingerbeard, so I do have
1: some Irish in me. Um, also because that means that it's time to head down to Austin uh, to party and play and Yee! meet people and hang out <laughs> at the South by Southwest <laughs> Music Festival. And we'll be playing at uh, Music Madness at ATX, a very cool unofficial showcase at South by Southwest. We always have fun.
0: Most excellent. I can't wait to eat tons of tacos, mm-hmm. <laughs> as we always do every year. Yeah. And here's some new music, meet some new friends. Yeah. And on the way down to Austin, we've got a couple of fun stops planned. Absolutely. Places we love to go. On March 14th, Tuesday, March 14th, probably when you're listening to this podcast,
1: uh, we're going to be in Nashville. So if you are in the Nashville area, uh, send us a tweet. I'm at Sunspot Mike. She's Sunspot Wendy. And mm-hmm. so send us a tweet And say like, hey, what are you doing? And like, we'll tell you where we are, where we're hanging out. Come Um, find us. Wednesday, we're going to be in New Orleans and we're going to do a haunted pub crawl, a little bit of music and a little bit of uh, ghost stories at several different locations in the New Orleans haunted area, the French Quarter.
0: Oh, there's so much great history in that area.
1: There certainly is. And so we're going to be there Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you can find that you can watch the live stream at othersidepodcast.com slash live And if you're in New Orleans, you can join us. Right. Come along in the pub crawl. Right. If you're in New Orleans, come <laughs> along with us. We'll buy you a drink. But you can, you can watch it if you're on Twitter live. Uh, Twitter.com slash sunspotmike. I'll be shooting Periscope and Twitter live from there. And then uh, also facebook.com slash sunspotmusic will have also the live stream on there. So you'll be able to see Facebook live yeah. or Twitter live. You'll be able to hang out with us there.
0: And othersidepodcast.com slash livestream. Yeah. You'll be able to find all the links right there. Yeah. So come along with us, whether it's in person or over the internet. Yeah. And we can hang out. It it's going to be there. a fun, neat little tour, I think. Yeah, it is. And then we're going to do some more. We'll do visit some
1: more haunted places and do some more fun stuff and down there. But then it's going to be a lot of music when we're in Austin, Texas. And that's always a really fun thing to do.
0: You know, what's not
1: so much fun, though, Wendy?
0: What's not so much fun? Demons.
1: This week we're talking with a guy named Dennis W. Carroll And Dennis is the co-founder of the Carolina Society for Paranormal Research and Investigation And so uh, Dennis had an interesting experience as a teenager And it inspired him to seek out the supernatural since then So he's been battling evil spirits for decades Wow Wow that would be intense. Well, you're going to find out just how intense it is uh, as we go in deep with the demonologist, Dennis W. Carroll. Dennis Carroll has spent over 40 years in pursuit of the mysteries of this world. An author, adventurer, paranormal investigative researcher, consultant, and demonologist. He's in archaeology, anthropology, astronomy, history, folklore. Recognized authority on the anomalous and the occult specialist in strange phenomenon. Dennis has been on plenty of TV shows, and uh, he's an author and has a couple of books out on the subject, including Beyond the Shadows, A Field Guide to Paranormal Investigation. And he's on, see you on the other side today. How you doing, Dennis?
2: All right. How are you, sir?
1: Fantastic. Where are you located presently?
2: Well, I live in uh, a sort of mid-sized town called Anderson, South Carolina, which is pretty close to the border of Georgia and South Carolina. Uh, it's sort of in the lower upstate of the of the state, so okay. to speak. Uh, that's my main. Life. I'm about an hour from Atlanta.
1: All right. And are you from uh, South Carolina originally? So you are you are, yes, are you sir. from that
2: area? Born and raised here, yes, sir. Okay, so then you pro- you probably have a good feel for the local folklore. This 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 area is very ripe with it, yes, sir. The whole South, actually. When you go south, well, the north, too, for that matter, I've been there Mm -hmm. as well. But the south seems to have uh, been steeped for a long time in uh, folklore, superstition, and things of the supernatural. Uh, We have a very extensive background in that, definitely. Mm -hmm.
1: So Mm -hmm. when did you start getting interested in the paranormal and, and this kind of phenomenon? When did this first strike you?
2: Well, when I was about, well, I've been interested in, and loved, I've loved ghost stories all my life. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, that was my number one thing, horror movies, ghost stories, I love that. But, uh, and that was, you know, uh, one love of mine growing up, uh, but uh, matter of fact, I told somebody the other day, the first movie I ever remember seeing was a horror movie, by the way. Okay, what was that movie? It was uh, The Lost Woman, it was a very old, uh, drive-in <laughs> theater type movie.
1: Oh, that's fun! Uh, yeah,
2: it still it still pops up every now and then, once in a while. I think it's in the, uh, on YouTube, but anyway, um, uh, I was interested in that all my life. Um, but uh, at about the age of fifteen, um, I had a my first paranormal experience. It changed my life completely. It, it it sent me down a different path, a path I've been on ever since. It lit a fire under me to know more about it, to understand what it was I saw. But it happened uh, to me when I was about 15 years old at a church service, and um, the pastor told everyone, you know, they were praying for a man up front at the altar of the church, and um, the pastor told everyone, said, "I want you to, you know, close your eyes and pray." You know, I didn't do that. I kept watching and um I actually saw uh three demonic spirits leave this man and go through the wall one after another one two three okay so are we talking about the was this the preacher
1: or was he was it did they bring somebody up to pray for like
2: yeah they, yeah they brought someone up to pray for him they were praying for this man so evidently, had a spiritual problem. So he had spiritual. Problems. Was he associated with possession or anything like that? It was definitely a case of possession. Uh, he was acting. I I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it until they started praying for this man. But he was acting in a very strange way. He was uh, actually, I think, the church organist, and he began banging on the keys. It became a very strange situation, and they and they took him. So the church organist. Went a yeah. little crazy. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. Oh
3: man.
1: And so they bring yeah. him up to the yeah. front. They're like, we got to, <laughs> we, we got to pray for this guy because he's, you know, because he's in trouble.
2: Right. And so you guys do that. And then, what do these entities look like? These things, the only the best way I can describe them, although I have seen ever since then, different forms of demonic uh, uh, influences and 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 uh, spirits. Um, but these things—the best way I can describe them—they were about soccer ball size, dirty white balls of light, dirty light. That's the only way I can explain okay. it. They were—they were not bright white lights. They were very dark, light, lighted-looking things. Kind of hard to explain. I've tried to explain it ever since then. But at that time, that I saw it, I mean, it was a jaw-dropping moment for me. I'm like, "Ah, oh, there is another side to this world. There is." you know something beyond what you can see and uh, and here's the funny thing about it being as young as I was I mm-hmm. tried to dismiss it for a while I had to be something else I saw because I w- I've never been on drugs I, I don't drink I don- I've never had a hallucination in my life sure um, no mental problems at all and none in my family so it was it was it was a very life-changing moment for me to see that and um, I've actually gone back to that church several times and looked at that wall. And I go, "What I, there was no way I could deny I saw what I saw what I saw. There was no way I could explain it away.
1: When they left the body, you know, so when you see mm-hmm. these three dirty lights, these dirty soccer balls of light, mm-hmm. uh, leave the body, Was did the organist get instantly better or did he pass yeah. out?
2: Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he was... Uh, uh, you might say in his right mind again, he uh, acted normal. After that, and had no more problems. So evidently, he was in the throes of some type of possession. And so when that
1: happened, you know, I, w- I was just thinking, did you tell anybody at the time, did you maybe talk to the pastor and said, like, hey, man, I saw you did that, and that's for real. Like, I saw stuff fly out of him. Like, you weren't just talking.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually, I talked to several ministers about that afterwards. And the ministry that was there that day was praying for people, and they didn't see what I saw. Now, I think that was very strange. They didn't see what I saw. But I had an answer to that later on when they told me, well, maybe you were meant to see that. That was something that you were supposed to see. Uh, And like I say, it sent me down another road. It sent me, I wanted to learn more to to understand what it was I saw. And uh, the deeper I got into demonology, the more I studied it and I read everything ever written on it. You know, that's something
1: we're interested in, because we haven't really done any... We've done uh, a couple episodes about possession in different stories they've had, especially in Wisconsin, where where, we're based in in Madison, Mm -hmm. Wisconsin. There's been cases of possession in Wisconsin. We had a star exorcist, I guess, in the early part of the 20th century, too, by the name of uh, Theosophus Riesinger. But as far as demonology, the specific, like, when I think of demonology, I think of the study of like like, so, like a demon has a name, like there's a hierarchy of yes. devils and demons and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it, how do you define demonology? What's your experience? Well,
2: that is part of demonology. That is part of demonology to understand what it is you're dealing with, uh, the spiritual aspects of it. And believe me, the demonic is one of the greatest well machines in this world today. It... Uh, I can assure you, no government, no military is as well organized as these guys are, uh, from what I've learned over the years. Uh, and I say I have—I've actually seen these things, these entities face to face. I have been attacked by them, and I have seen them attack other people. I have seen—I have—I know of several cases where. There are some people now six foot under put there by these forces. These are very dangerous and deadly type forces. If you don't know what it is you're dealing with, well, how does that kind of happen? Like, how does a demon
1: show up, kind of thing, or or how does a demon select someone uh, to get under spiritual attack? Like, you figure the church organist or that you mm-hmm. know the the. Yeah, yeah. church organ yeah. is, is going to be, he's singing songs, mm-hmm. or so he or she is singing songs about Jesus. And I've, stuff. Had, okay. I've had
2: people uh, ask me that. I said, Mr. Carroll, can I be walking down the street and bam, I get possessed by a demon. I said, no, usually it doesn't work that way. I've never known the case of that. Usually you've got to open yourself up to these forces in some way, in some part of your life you can open the door to these things and they will come in. And that's when they will start trying to take over you. Uh, And you can do this in many different ways. And here's what I, matter of fact, I said in my last lecture, um, what you put into life is what you get back out of it. If you are a positive person and you put positive things in your life, then you will mainly get, I'm not going to say it doesn't, you know, rain on your parade once in a while, but you're going to mainly get you're going to mainly get positive stuff back and the opposite is true with uh, uh, negative things and these are negative forces we are dealing with here Uh, as i tell about in my book the road unseen uh, there are certain elements in this universe we have laws that designate the positive forces and negative forces throughout the universe physically and spiritually uh, if you put negative things if you live a bad negative lifestyle with drugs of course uh, abusing alcohol or uh, abusing yourself in ways, well, whatever you do if you lead a more negative life you open the door to these things and they can come in and uh, but most of the time I have never known a case but I have had many Ouija board cases believe me and I believe Ouija board should be bad okay. <laughs> I've had Hundreds of cases related to that, so these can be innocently opening the door sometimes too, not just by the way your, you know, your lifestyle, uh, if you have a very bad negative lifestyle. Sometimes you can do things that just let these things in. and uh, they everything in this universe has a reason behind it, okay, uh, okay. everything and, that, and and so do they. They have a reason there i I wrote not long ago, I wrote. I got another book I'm coming out with, shortly. It's called *The Demon Factor: Beyond the Edge of Supernatural Darkness*. And in it, I wrote the other day, and I was putting some notes into it that uh, demons are opportunist. You give them an opportunity, they will usually take it, and that's what you deal with. It is. So, just to take for example, you know, the
1: example from fiction or whatever, like in *The Exorcist*. The Exorcist, it's the same demon who's coming back every time. Yeah. Pazuzu have. Mm-hmm. Is there any kind of, you know, we were talking about the hierarchy and you say they're well-organized and a machine. Have you faced, have you seen the same demon more than one time? Oh, yeah,
2: I've run into one.
1: What kind of demon have you faced more than once?
2: I've had that happen, definitely. Uh, And it was was almost as if, the way I got to put it is like the demon was kind of playing a little game with me. Uh, In demonology, I tell people, now, the old demonology, I'm going to tell you this. 300 years ago, I would have been, probably been burned in stake for a witch because demonology back in the old days, the old demonology, which was also connected with alchemy and uh, necromancy, uh, was uh, basically trying to summon up demons and get them to do what you want, which is not a good, good idea. Um, demonology now is just the study of these spiritual beings in order to help people, consult with people. And I've consulted with people all over the world with these problems. Uh, When you deal with demons, you can't get hung up on their names too much. Uh, They're they're not going to tell you the truth. You go up to a demon tomorrow and say, Hey, what's your name? He says, my name's Bill. He's not telling you the truth, probably. (laughs) Most of the time, they're not going to do it. So you can't get hung up on the name kind of part of it. Although... If you were to get the true name of the demon, supposedly you can't have power over him. In other words, to cast him out, to get rid of him. And uh, in my work, I do tons of location exorcisms, I call them. They're also known as house blessings or cleansings. Also, I include the people, the animals in the building, whatever may be there. I include everything in that because these forces can, like I said, they're well organized and they are tremendously intelligent they have more knowledge i've heard them speak in ancient languages they have far more knowledge than you and i will ever accumulate in our puny little lifetime believe me they have thousands of years well
1: that's something i'm I'm interested in a little bit there so like a a demon that has a thousand have you heard like, had any particular examples when they talk about, like, the four signs of possession, or at least according to some exorcism books or and in, in the Roman mm-hmm. stuff? Uh, four signs. and one of those ways is they have knowledge of something that they couldn't possibly know,
2: right? Right? They can, like, I have had actually uh, had a demon one time tell me my uh, grandmother's maiden name, and there was no way they could have known it. Now, your grandmother's made names, not like Smith. Like, the demon
1: can't just throw a softball out there and have a lucky guess. Like, it's Jones.
2: Oh, darn it. They do these things, though, to throw you off. They're, a lot of this stuff that the demons do are theatrical. They're, they're trying to spook you. They're trying to create a fear and negativity in you that they can feed off of. They uh, try to, as the old saying goes, trying to get your goat. Okay? <laughs> because that's just what they're up to. But now this one particular demon, I have not actually confronted him face to face, but he keeps sending me the same name through different people. Uh, And he he appears I've had three different women come to me. One of them since then had uh, unfortunately committed suicide. I had three different women that had no connection with each other come up and tell me that they had a visitation by this demon, and they described to me what it looked like. And basically it appeared to them as sort of looking like the god Pan, you know, from mythology Sure, Pan. so it's it's like a satyr. so it's got yeah. the hooves
1: and the uh, mm-hmm. probably horns and stuff. When you think of um, I mean, now most of the time we see that image and stuff, you think of the god Pan mm-hmm. or, or Dionysus. Um, I'm just trying to conjure it for the listeners here real quick. So think of the the bearded half man. Uh, but it's kind of like a goat bottom, goat mm-hmm. you know legs and stuff with the hooves and 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 the typical uh pan, which you know really was influential on our idea of what we would think of as the devil later on, probably.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, what it, it appeared this way to these three women, and like I say, completely unconnected with each other. None of them knew any of this, and this kept come. This came up took about three times with me with these two different women. They met with me in three different places, I need I need your help, I need to talk to you about this, I need to tell you what happened and what I saw. And I said, Well, did this demon tell you a name? And all three of them gave me the same name. He and by the way, he gave himself an Egyptian name. He called himself Amon Ra. Okay. Of course that's not his real name, but that's sure. what he got.
1: <laughs> but that's the that's the name he chose. Okay, and the name Amon Ra to so have three different people come up From and say three like,
2: different people
1: yeah the name I heard the name Aman Ra and they told me to tell you about it well I kind of want to get to the point where how you became a person that people call when they have experiences like this like the idea that three different people have been mm. like we got to call the demonologist on this one um, you know that that is where they find you how they do that so let's uh, rewind a little bit you're 15 years old You have Mm -hmm. that experience. Then you start reading about this stuff, and it's cool that you were able to talk to the preacher about it and everything, that you didn't have to hide it and you know, feel like you were crazy, that people didn't Mm -hmm. think you were crazy.
2: I kind of thought they would. (laughs) Of course. I'm kind of afraid to do that, actually. I was afraid at first to approach it. But I not only began to, to read and study, which is good, but I became interested in the whole paranormal thing, too, at that time. And I went to, as a matter of fact, today I'm a law enforcement officer too, by the way. Okay. And I went to law enforcement to understand the techniques of investigation, to learn. You go to the professionals to learn how to do something. I went to them to learn at that time how to investigate. So I not only began to study and research, I began to investigate. I went to actual, I went and participated mainly as a bystander in a lot of exorcisms, Okay. That I could go to, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen. Oh, I could. I wish I could tell you all that I have seen. Uh, I have told people, if you only knew the things I know, you would never sleep good at night again. I don't. Well, when you see something now, so let's say, so so you're saying you
1: start investing, you start attending exorcisms. Do you see things that everybody else in the room maybe? can't or they haven't you know like maybe they're not open to it or maybe they're
2: not on the right wavelength or or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing well i'll tell you let me me tell you this i'm not a psychic i don't claim to be a psychic i think a lot of a lot of psychic well when it comes to psychic stuff you got to ask yourself where is that power coming from you know you got to be very careful along those lines as a demonologist i caution people on that but um when it came to that understanding that and what I was dealing with Uh, to me it it became sort of a dedication I became almost obsessed with it in a way trying to understand and track down what it was I was seeing and like I said at the beginning I was afraid to really approach anyone but I have done so much and been so involved so long in this field I've become very sensitive to things I think it's kind of like a gift in a way. Uh, I tell I have a lot of people come to me who are very sensitive to these things. Matter of fact, I read an article just today that said that claims that a lot of the Celtic Irish and Scots people, uh, Scottish people, are are very uh, sensitive uh, to um, paranormal stuff. They have what they call the second sight. Well, I don't think I have a second sight, but I think I'm going to tell you what I have walked into situations. Where I have felt evil so strongly, you almost cut it with a knife. It was like a fog there to me. I could feel it and sense that. Just like I was talking about my dog earlier. There are... If you deal with something long on a long base, you become more Well, just like you are with radio. You've done a lot with radio, you're, mm-hmm. you're used to it, you, you've got a handle on it. You can do it better than an average person can. Because you you know more about it, you like it, you do what you do, and that's the same with me. The more I've been involved in it, the more it became a part of me, and I and my sensitivity picked up on that. I think to a great degree, I almost have what is sometimes called. I don't talk that much about it. I think is like I'm not like I say there again. I'm not psychic, but I've been sort of maybe a God-given gift of discernment. In other words, sometimes I can feel when something is not right. I mean, very strongly feel that. And I think it's sort of like a gift that's been given, you know, sort of. And uh, it's not a full-blown psychic, read your cards kind of a thing. Right. Well, <laughs> but,
1: intuition is a, I mean, is, is a very powerful thing. So how often were you getting visuals, though, when you because the first experience obviously had to be a it's a humdinger when you have a visual confirmation of something that's going on. Were I'm interested, were you seeing visuals like most of the time? Were you seeing these manifestations? They have
2: confronted me. The, see, the demonic knows that I know that they exist. Okay, they know. Matter of fact, they don't like me at all because I wrote the other day in the in the in the uh, demon factory. I wrote that once uh, darkness uh, knows your name, once that you thwart their plans, once you free people from them, then you're on their bad list. You will pay a price eventually. You will pay a price and they will come after you. And they have done that to me. I have been attacked by them because of what I do. But that's part of the gang, I mean, that's part of the that's part of the territory. But uh, I have been confronted by them in many, many different ways. They can, I want to tell you this, the demonic, only God, I can tell you this, uh, I'm also a minister, I can tell you this, that God alone in this universe is the only one who can create something out of nothing. Okay. That makes him God. The demonic can do that, but it can manipulate things to look like other things. I have known it to take on the form of shadows. Uh, I was, uh, the last time I was attacked, not too many months ago, of all places, I was in a sinus clinic uh, that had some activity going on there, and it turned out that one of the doctors, it was in one of the doctor's private offices, you know, their main private, where this thing attacked me. Attacked, it also attacked uh, a fellow that was with me. I'll I tell about that in my book. Anyway. Well, how did it attack you, though? So when you're in the office, what does it try to do? Well, we're sitting in the dark, and we had ambient light. There were street lights around. You could, you know, it wasn't total darkness. You mm-hmm. could see. I could see. I could make out things in the room. I could see pretty good, but far, fairly well. It began in a corner of the room as a shadow that began to, like, draw more and more darkness into it. And it became bigger and bigger. Eventually, I think it got around eight foot high and maybe five foot wide. I'm sitting there about three feet from it, And it begins to it attacked the guy that was with me. He was sitting at the doctor's desk. He was a little further away from it. He saw it, too. And I told him while we were sitting there looking at it, I said, there's no way I can get this on camera. <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the the bad part of the paranormal. It's very hard to capture when you want to. It might, said, right as soon as I hit this thing with a light, and they cannot stand light of any kind, even infrared light, I said, as soon as I turn this camera on I'm trying to get this thing, it's going to go away. So I wanted to see what it was trying to do. It never spoke, but it began to get bigger. It was just what I'm saying. It was a darkness darker than the darkness around it. Okay, and it was drawing in this this darkness to it and getting bigger, and all of a sudden I see these two red eyes looking at me out of this darkness. And now they're not big, bright, shiny red lights like you would see in Hollywood. They're right. very small, pinpoint red dots of light, like. And about this time, the guy next to me, you know, the guy with me, he says, "Do you see something red?" I said, "Yeah." And about the time I spoke it. I could actually feel like it turned and looked at him when he spoke. Because then I saw only one red eye. You know what I'm saying? One dot, like it kind of turned his head or whatever you want to call it. And he said, oh yeah, now I see two red eyes looking at me. I said, well, it just turned your head it's looking at you. And at that, at that moment, it attacked him emotionally. Uh, whereas it was attacking me physically. I felt like I was having a heart attack. My leg... My right leg began to get completely numb and cold. It started up to my chest and I began to get harder to breathe like. It was almost like going into a, a cardiac arrest in a way. This is the way this thing was attacking me physically.
1: So let's just go into this moment. Are you guys sitting down or are you standing up? You're in a doctor's private office. So is is it one of the offices where there's a, a place to lay down? Um, you know, the kind of thing like the examination room, or is it the office where they have paperwork and stuff?
2: Yeah, that's his office where the doctor actually is his personal office, and he had like a couple of seats in there and a Cadenza, It was just a regular little, well, you know, basic. What kind of activity were people
1: reporting in there?
2: Uh, the, nurses, the nurses that worked there had been, been reporting seeing shadows, uh, doors being unlocked that were locked. Uh, uh, I think one of them got pinched. By this thing, uh, it was just basic demonic activity type (laughs) things, where they just go around causing trouble. They 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 complained of paperwork getting missing. Mm -hmm. Uh, They should not have. So it was a basic, basic rundown on demonic activity that they called us in there to investigate. And let me say this: a lot of times when I've done that, and I'll tell you a few minutes about a voodoo case I had, which was very interesting. But um, a lot of times. Um, when you uh, you get called to these places and all that, the paranormal will hide from you. These paranormal things go away. They won't. They'll either go down in the basement, kind of like the old standard horror movie, don't go look in the basement, right? Uh, or they'll go up in the attic. They'll get away from wherever the human traffic is and hide. That's just the way they are. And all night long, we investigated this clinic, and it had about. 30 rooms in it they had a lot of waiting rooms and exam rooms and the guy comes up to me one guy comes up to me like oh this is a waste of time nothing happening. i'm not picking up anything and i said well wait a minute experience tells me let's go upstairs went upstairs and that's where we confronted this thing was waiting for us up there and that's where we confronted it
1: now, was this someone you had been on investigations with before? Was this like an investigation partner? Or, like, uh, when I think about that, because he had the similar experience, too, that he saw something.
2: Yeah, he, uh, he saw what I saw. We both, you know, that was sort of collaboration. He saw the very same thing. He was attacked emotionally. It took him days to get over that, by
1: the way. So, was and, you, uh, the emotional the attack, emotional.
2: was he, was he uh, crying, or was he, you just said well, he, he, he was, felt bad, uh, he, or? It, it was like a very deep depression, like. Uh, When they attack you emotionally, it's just like they drain you of energy. They attack you that way. Uh, Like it was doing me physically, it was doing him emotionally. The demonic will always attack you in four major ways. They will attack you emotionally, physically, spiritually, or mentally. I have known demons to hide behind mental illness, physical incapacities. I've known them to hide behind the emotions of people. And they're they're, uh, mental outlooks. All four of those things make you, you. That makes up your soul. Uh, If you uh, uh, have a belief in souls and spirits, you must understand that the human soul is completely different from the human spirit. According to what we have been taught in demonology, you have a spirit, but you are a living soul. Okay. And uh, so there's a little, you know, people get those mixed up sometimes. <laughs> they they get them, you know. But there's two there's different categories here. And you are your emotions too, because your emotions can rule your what mentality.
1: Well, sure, and I, I'd assume yes. a lot of people who are uh, a lot of people <laughs> who are sensitive to demonic activity sometimes can run away with negative emotions. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: And this is the way it got him. It attacked him that way. He, he, this is the first time he'd ever actually had that experience. And I warned him. When we were leaving that night, I, mean, I knew he was pretty shook up. I said, just give you time, tough time to get over it because, you know, go, 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 uh, go home and, and dwell on something good. Get your mind off of this thing and your emotions will come back and check, you know. Well, how do you know the difference between... So it sounds like what
1: the nurses were, if, you know, if, somebody, if a nurse reported that around here, or at least to me, I'd, I can say, like, well, maybe it's a ghost. So it's a, which, and we don't always think of ghosts, even though, I mean, we think of them as scary, we
2: don't always think about them as evil. They thought that, see, this clinic was made, actually made out of an old house that used to be a big sort of a mansion, and they turned it into a clinic. Mm-hmm. And they thought this was a case of human ghosts possibly haunting. The house, you know, that had now been converted to a, a clinic, uh, which did turn out not to be the case. I want to tell you this: in forty over forty years, it is rare that you run into actual what I would term human ghost. Hmm. Most of the time, you got to play the demon card, and I'm not just saying it because I'm a demonologist. Right. I mean, I, I try to, I try to, you know, always be fair and balanced in everything I look at. I've been accused of that. Oh, you see demons everywhere you go. And I said, no, not necessarily. But most of the time, and I have had the demonic masquerade as ghosts, as, as human spirits. I had a demon one time that tried to get me to believe that he was a 10-year-old boy. you got to be very careful what you're dealing with. You got to, When you run into these things, they can be very deceiving. In the way, but Ed and Lorraine Warren had that same thing happen to them, by the way, uh, in a house in England where these uh, demons were masquerading as two uh, supposed, I think, soldiers that had been uh, there or something. I forget now exactly how it went, but Ed Warren knew they were demons. Uh, well, They exhibit s- certain signs. And
1: the uh, signs of, like, attack, so you have the feeling of, you know, if you had the feeling of pressure on your, you know, the, the pressure of a oh, heart yeah. attack, and then your f- friend had the feeling of uh, emotional, you know, being emotionally overwhelmed, depressed, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a garden variety ghost isn't going to be interested in trying to give you a heart attack. They're probably just trying to get some message across, or maybe they're just bored.
2: Well, they, like I said, they try to intimidate you, too. They, they they, want to intimidate you, like I said before. A lot of this is theatrics. Uh, but I want to tell you something I learned very interesting that mm-hmm. night. Up until that point in time, all these many years, when I have had to... Uh, revoke demons when I've had to rebuke them as it's called I've always had to speak it you know with my voice out loud up until this till this night I believed your thoughts were your own and here's the scary part while I was sitting there and this thing was attacking me a, bi- a bible passage came in my mind I never spoke it it just came in my mind it was, I remember well, it was greater as he who is in me than he who is in the world. Soon as I thought that, that demon started going away. The attack ceased on me, and, uh, and that kind of astounded me, because I said, up until that time, I thought your thoughts were your own, but evidently, they can pick up, I think, the surface of your subconscious. You read your thoughts and use those images against you sometimes. When you've had communication, you say you've
1: demons ladia, and they take on names and things like that. But when you've had a communication with, with a demon, has it come to the voice of the person who's being
2: no. occupied or do you hear them in your head? Like, well, let me tell you a quick story about a phone call. Okay. I got a phone call. A matter of fact, my neighbor was here with me that day and I put the phone call on speaker phone. I didn't know what it was and he's happened to be sitting here with me and, uh, it was this lady on the other end. She said, uh, "She said, um, you, you know, you're a demonologist. I need you help. There's a demon in my apartment. There's something here, and I just had a little baby. She had like a three month old baby, and she lived alone. She was a, I, I don't know about the father or what was that, but she was alone with just the baby and her mm-hmm. in this duplex apartment. And she said, this thing, I'm, I'm afraid that it's.'" Don't try to hurt my baby, you know, of course, any mother would think that, of course, you know, and all the time this lady's talking to me, this phone call is horrible, there's all kind of noises going on, static, all that, and finally, I told the lady, I said, do you hear that on the phone, and my neighbor's sitting here listening to all this now, he's getting big, wide-eyed listening, And, and she says, no, I don't hear anything, but I can barely hear you. You're like, you're way, away. I, I barely can't hear you. I, I knew what was going on. I've had it happen before. I said, hold on just a minute. I said, look, the demon on this phone, I rebuke you. And you get off this phone. And I could still hear the woman in the background talking. My neighbor can hear this. And then this voice comes on the line. And I really can't describe to you what this voice sounded like. But it wasn't human. And this is what it said. My neighbor's sitting here listening to this. <laughs> he can tell you something. This thing says, this place is mine. Oh, man. And I can still hear the woman in the background. And this woman, believe me, when I met her, there was no way she could have faked this. This woman really didn't have the wherefore to, to fake something like that. I don't think it was a fake. But I spoke to the thing, and I, I knew what it was. I knew, well, I said, look. It's not your place, and I'm coming there to prove it to you. Now get off this line. And immediately the line cleared up, and we had no more problems. The rest of the conversation. To so my neighbor, I think, had nightmares after that. But anyway.
1: <laughs> well, right, because he heard this place is mine too, and so that wasn't just the using the medium of your mind or whatever. That was using the media, like it was using actually the medium audible. of your phone line.
2: Yeah, it was actually audible. Well, I've had them do that. I've had them do physical things. I've had them appear. I've heard. I've had them appears as children, um, and and the voodoo case I mentioned earlier. Um, I got a call from a dog grooming place, uh, a couple of towns over from where I'm at. Well, and,
1: okay. really- and now real quick, let's say so. How do people? F- I mean, they find you if they just go, you know, they go to your website. Well, they usually Google me. <laughs> okay.
2: I'm not. I'm. Uh, you you Google uh, demonologist. I come up sometimes uh, on the machine, um, on the search engine. I have a reputation among uh, other things. I think more word of mouth. I don't put advertisements in the paper. I don't do that. I'm, here's what I tell people to tell you the truth I'm not a demon hunter. I'm not, I don't go out looking for demons. Most of the time, they come looking for me. Uh, right. I don't you know, advertise it that much. But uh, I think word around. Well, like I had a woman call me the other day just right here in this town. Uh, she saw me on television. I was on, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Ghost Asylum. Oh yeah, I was on there last oh, year. Oh, cool. Yeah, they called me in, and they had a case up there. One of the guys on the Ghost Asylum got attacked and taken over by an, a spirit of anger. I was uh, in that episode, and um, she saw it on TV and she said, uh, "Well, her friend saw it and recommended me to her friend, so they they found my number."
1: Oh, that's great because I can't imagine like if I if I thought I had a demon, like if I th- thought I had a ghost. There's different places that you would call that a paranormal research society. So you're like, "Hey, I think there's a ghost here," but something like a a demon, like I, you know, I wouldn't, besides going to the local, you know, Catholic Church and being like, hey, I know this is going to sound crazy.
2: Well, a lot of times, um, I've had to work with the Catholic Church. But here's the problem with the Catholic Church. Although they are, have the only truly recognized demonologists sanctioned by the Catholic Church. Uh, I'm not Catholic, but they, they do. Sure. They have, they have actual demonologists that teach other demonologists and exorcists. Actually, a Catholic demonologist is mainly an exorcist too. That they both go together. You got to learn. You got to know what you're dealing with. But um, the wheels take a long time to turn with that. The, uh, I hate to say this, but they're sort of like a bureaucracy.
1: Oh, I, I think uh, nobody would disagree with you the fact that the Catholic Church is a gigantic bureaucracy that's two thousand years old.
2: And 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 so you, you got it takes them a while to ever get around to you. And I tell people this. I, matter of fact, I have a lot of my clients. They say, well, what can I do? And I say, well, look, you know, what religion are you? What do you believe? What would you be comfortable with coming in here to help you and all that? And if it's the Catholic Church, I said, well, you got to understand something. Uh, it may be six months down the line before they ever even get back to you on, some, on a search. They have to investigate you first. Right. Before that, and That is the the case now, even with Protestant churches. It's very hard to find a real exorcist because of uh, lawsuits and all that. You don't know what you're dealing with. You've got drugs involved with it a lot of times. You've got mental problems. Like I said, they can hide and use mental illness. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't know what you're really dealing with. And I can understand that that would be very shaky ground that you're on. You have to be very, very careful. So there are only certain Protestant denominations that will even take on exorcism. Uh, most of the mainstream, uh, like Lutherans and, uh, and and so on, don't do that. They won't take that on it's because um, the church now, although, unfortunately, I hate to say this, most modern churches now don't want to touch demonology and exorcism. They don't want to do that. It scares them. Uh, it's scared away from them. So it's... it's so, demonologists and exorcists have to come from other avenues. Sure. Well, if they, I mean, the thing is, if a, if a if a large
1: organization like a like a church organization screws up with somebody who's mentally ill. Um, mm-hmm they leave themselves open obviously to a lot like millions of dollars of lawsuits and and obviously the catholic church had to deal with all of uh-huh. those uh, you know all those lost the sexual abuse lawsuits in the last two decades and
2: you uh, you know i know you remember the the uh, movie the uh, the exorcism with emily rose which was based on an actual you know case of exorcism right. um you know, um, the priest got in a lot of hot water on kind of. There was not only mental illness, but physical illness there associated with it as well. So you have to be very, you you really got to be very, very careful what you're dealing with and know what you're dealing with.
1: Well, do you have to get liability insurance or anything like that? I mean, you're kind of. I mean, I know that you're a nonprofit or you know, kind of thing. Like you're not you're not charging people five hundred mm. bucks for an exorcism. Like you know, if it's a minor demon, five hundred bucks. Major demon,
2: thousand dollars. <laughs> And you, you know, get a, a layaway package. Uh, <laughs>
1: right. You take MasterCard, you get your little PayPal.
2: But, uh, well, I don't ever charge anyone. I don't ever charge anyone for, for what I do. Uh, although I do sometimes have to for expenses to get to a certain area. I have sure. to charge, you know, the expenses and all that. But as for an actual fee, I don't do that. I never have actually charged anyone for that. But um, I'm going to tell you something about d- – these location exorcisms and all. And I'm not an actual exorcist, exorcist. Although I would push in a corner, would do an exorcism if I had to, definitely. Well,
1: do you read the, I mean, because I know they have a, um, I read this in, oh, they had that Malachi Martin's book, Is Hostage to the Devil book. They had like, the Roman rite of exorcism that you would read, mm-hmm. you know, in the case of an exorcism. So uh, if you were pushed in a location exorcism or a clearing or something, mm-hmm. like what what does that entail?
2: Well, okay. Let's take let's go back a minute. For and I tell people in my lectures before I begin my lectures, just forget all about Hollywood, okay? Hollywood is a completely right. <laughs> different ball game altogether. But let's take the Exorcist for a minute. One of my favorite horror movies. It is based on an actual case, and it was a boy, not a girl. I want you to think about this a minute, and and your listeners too. Uh, the actual case took months and months and months of exorcism. Took a whole team of priests and exorcist to accomplish an, uh, the actual casting out of this demon or demons in this boy. Uh, you're not... You're not, you're going to forget Hollywood. You don't go in for a few minutes and say a few things and read a Roman ritual and walk out and everything's okie-dokie. Uh, it don't work that way usually. And like I, I have said in my book, full-blown demonic possession is fairly rare. I mean, it's not actually... As a matter of fact, I put forth a theory on this. I want you to listen to this a minute. Okay. I call it latent possession. And you see this. I talk about this in the book. You see this in the very headlines of your newspapers every day. Latent possession can mean that you are under the influence, extreme influence, of a of drugs, the demonic. And it can take you over for a while. Like that boy I was telling you about, they got that spirit of anger. This took him over for a few minutes. I told him on the TV show, I said, you felt like you weren't driving your own car anymore, right? Something took you over, and he started cussing worse than a sailor, and this was a nice boy. I mean, he was a very nice, calm, well-mannered boy, young man, and he was out in the parking lot trying to beat the parking lot up. I mean, he was just completely different from what he was, and they knew something was wrong. Um... That is what I call latent possession to a certain extent. It can be so low-key sometimes, and here's the dangerous part of it. Unless a real expert knows what he's looking at, knows what the real sign, it can be so low-key, you won't know it's there. And I think, and and I've had this a lot lot of times when people shoot up schools or go in the restaurants and cafes and kill a bunch of people, and they come to themselves holding a smoking gun and say, what did I do that for? There can be certain cases of this latent possession where people are used for demonic purposes that we don't may not know about. What You know, why?
1: So, a latent possession isn't like the demons in them all the time. It's like using it as, like you said, you know, going back to your car analogy, it would be like yeah. they're, they're renting the car.
2: Yeah, and I've seen cases of that. I'm going to tell you something else that— will blow your mind. When we're talking about human ghosts, I meant to mention this. I have actually seen evidence. Now, this is how dangerous and full-blown real, real possession can be. I have seen evidence that perhaps even human spirits, that people who die possessed, that even their spirits are not freed by death, that other, these demons may hold them back.
1: What's an example of, like, where have you encountered that? Like, you've encountered maybe the uh, the people, like, is it one of your, uh, I say clients for lack of a better term, but someone you've helped? And then later mm-hmm. on, have you had communication with them after they've died where they say, like, no, I'm still stuck, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. Aman Ra still,
2: you know, got his mitts on me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I have actually had cases where people who are, let's just... Uh, all I want to say, they were very evil people. They were very evil in their life. They, okay. they didn't care how they treated people and all that. And they were, what I would say, probably, as a demonologist, that they were uh, possessed. They were possessed by demons. And when they died in that situation, the demons still retained control over their spirit. So if Uncle Fred, who was so mean and awful in real real life, doesn't go on to where he's supposed to when he dies. And as a minister, I believe that if you die in Christ or or, or as a believer, you will instantly be in in the presence of God. But as for someone who dies outside of the grace of God, we don't know what that spirit may do. We don't know how long it may take for that person to go on to where he needs to go. But so let's say Uncle Fred is still in your house, tormenting your wife and your kids, and it's not a demon, but there could be demons behind this, you understand? Holding Uncle Fred back from going on where he needs to go to his just reward, and especially if he died under the possession of these demons. So it, it, it bothers me to think that possibly some people can be so badly possessed that their spirits are freed not even by death. Well, that would be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is bad to think about. And I've seen instances where I have to think about that. I have done what I call soul rescues on certain instances like that or where I think someone is being held back by something. Maybe sometimes it can also be something left undone or something they were so or obsessed with in life. Uh, take, for instance, someone who, who hoards magazines And their whole house is full of nothing but magazines. Right. And they die in that house. They don't want to leave that obsession. See what I'm saying? The the spirit is still attached kind of to that house because they were obsessed in it. So a lot of this is what? One of those things I was talking about earlier. Emotions. Emotions can be a very powerful thing. Well,
1: so a soul rescue is kind of like helping that spirit pass on. Yeah, like, here, here's where you're supposed to go. Where so they need to
2: go. Yeah, yeah. you should
1: really d- ditch the subscriptions and go to
2: heaven. Matter of fact, I'll tell you a quick, quick story. I was called to a farmhouse where Grandpa was supposedly seen walking back across the fields to the house where he was actually killed in an accident on a tractor out there in that pasture. And some little grandkids who had never knew Grandpa said they saw him walking. And, and when the woman said, "Well, that sounds like my dad." And she said, could it be my dad still trying to come home? You know, he doesn't know he's dead and all that. So I said, well, in the case, if that is what's going on here, I said, I will go out in that field tonight and I'll do what's called that soul rescue. I'll tell Grandpa he needs to go on home. There's nothing here to hold him here anymore. He needs to go on to where, go to the light Mm -hmm. and, 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 and go home. To the real home. There's nothing here to hold you here anymore. I've done several, many soul rescues in that manner, just in case someone is trapped in that situation, you know, or, or, or something is going on there with that. Um, there may not be the evidence for it, but I'd rather be safe than sorry. Sure. I would want someone to, to do that for me if I were trapped. <laughs> well, absolutely. I you would want somebody... someone to do that.
1: To, to let you know that it's time to time to get out of here. I always feel bad for the when you hear the stories about the people who are stuck going back to work. Like it's never mm-hmm. like a great job. like it's never like, well, I'm this high powered lawyer and I'm coming back to the office uh, mm-hmm. after after death because I love my job so much. It's always like the guy who's mopping the floors. Like yeah, we see Otis mopping the floors still, and he's been dead mm-hmm. for six years. Uh, but sometimes we'll still see him. You know, walk around, or or there's a a place we play at sometimes around here, and there was a one of the cleaning guys, or somebody who worked on cleaning. He comes and cleans the stage, or you know he you know it's well, I'm you people see him on the stage. In my
2: experience with paranormal investigation too. Uh, a lot of what so-called ghosts that people see, I believe, has got some kind of a time space anomaly thing going on there. I think a lot of times you see back into the past to a certain thing. You just happen to be at the right place at the right time. Sure, I've seen many, many cases of that. I think there's some kind of a time anomaly thing going on there uh, with that. And a lot of times, and they never know that they never recognize you. And it says what you're seeing. they just like is like a film play.
1: Sure, a recording, or either a recording or just a window. <laughs> well,
2: let me tell you this: science has proven. Don't you think about this, man? Science has proven that water has a memory. Yeah, and they say that if water can retain memories of emotions that may have been there with it, and look at all the things that surround us made partially out of water. <laughs> you know, right. Oh, they yeah. have the particles of water to it. Uh, would not certain places retain, I call them stains on the land or the, or the location, uh, would not especially traumatic emotions like dying, and what can be more traumatic than dying? Right, that's a big one. Uh, would leave an outburst of emotion there, that would be sort of like a memory left behind. A lot of times, I tell people that what you are seeing are not ghosts, but the memory, the the, the memories of ghosts. In other words, they're they're the ghost of memories. Right. That's what you're really seeing, and not ghosts. You know. So you got a lot of that too.
1: Well, that's a cool, and, and I'm sure you get you get calls on that, and it's cool that you're known in the area, and it all you know surprises me that there's as much you know activity. I meant, that's a hotbed. Sounds mm-hmm. like uh mm-hmm. you know the amount well, of that's
2: what those uh, those guys you know the ghost asylum guys. I told them sitting there. I said, look, I'm surprised that you haven't had this before. The places you go, uh the the asylums and the hospitals for the mentally insane, all this stuff. What? Awful emotions, and the demonic is drawn like a magnet to traumatic emotions uh, and negative emotions like that. Uh, they love that. They love negativity like a kid in a candy shop. The more they get, the more they feed off of it. Well, that's when and people that's are the most I vulnerable. When I counsel them, A lot of times I tell them, I say, look, I know what I'm about to tell you sounds ridiculous, but I say you need to try to ignore this. And they said, "What? Well, you know? What do you mean? What are you talking about?" I said, "Well, the more attention you give them, the stronger they can become." And you got to remember, if you' afraid to go in your house tonight, and you're and, and you're very fearful, they're waiting to eat that negative energy up. They right. they love that. See, and I have been in houses to tell you the truth. The very atmosphere in them were poisoned by these entities. I mean. The the I would come into what were once peaceful, loving families. They were at each other's throats, and uh, I mean, even physical abuse was beginning, caused a lot of times by Ouija board use, by cultic practices. They shouldn't be things. They shouldn't be messing around with, or certain lifestyles they live opens the doors to these negative forces to do their job well when when people do open the
1: door has anyone described to you like what it feels like to be possessed like you know we, we talked about the idea of you know somebody else is taking the wheel but do they they feel a presence in their head or is it just a the feeling of of doing things where it feels like it's instinctual or automatic but it's really being controlled by a nefarious force
2: I've had people tell me that actually in possession, they would say, actual full-blown possession. They would say, I knew what I was doing, but had no control over it. And I've actually had demons. I've actually talked to a person possessed. I said, Mary, can you hear me, Mary? Or whatever her name was. And, she, and they would say, she's in here with us. Uh,
1: sure. So it's like keeping them in a room in their own brain, locked mm-hmm. in.
2: It's like one country invading another country. You take it over much better from the inside than you would from the outside of the country. Uh, a house divided cannot stand. Even the forces of evil know that. So if they can get you from the inside out, that's, they're working. They're doing their work. That's the way they like to work. Uh, it's easier to conquer someone that way. And what I say a lot of times, you have to look upon possession as an invasion, sure. a spiritual invasion of the body. Yeah. Well, you teased us with a voodoo story before. So we
1: yeah. got to gotta tell a voodoo story to close it out, Dennis. So what, okay. what exactly,
2: uh, how did you get involved with voodoo? Okay, this was in a couple of towns over from me. And I, went, I got a call from a paranormal group. And they said, look, this lady's had a dealing with some kind of voodoo stuff going on. And we don't know anything about voodoo. And, uh, and like I say, I've studied the occult all my life. Uh, all aspects of it, all aspects of it. And uh, I said, well, I know some voodoo. I know, I know about voodoo and, uh, and how it works and all that. So I said, well, you need to help this lady because they've got a problem, this family. So uh, I, go, I go over to where they live, and they, they actually operate a dog grooming place. They own two houses. The dog grooming business is in one house, and the house next to it is where they live. And there's a little road between that dog room and another house that's set over sort of in a corner. And um, the woman, there were two nice people, man and woman. And here's what the woman told me. She said, we've got all kind of weird stuff going on here. She opened the closet and showed me some mold on the ceiling that was a perfect 666 that no human hand put there, supposedly. Like written in mold? And a mold, a black mold, like and uh, and I said, does this mold appear anywhere else in the house or anything? She said, no, only in the closet here. And it only looks like that. So um, that was one thing. And she said, there were all kinds of things. But she said, it's mainly attacking me. I said, well, how is this, you know, bothering you? She said, well, look. She said, in one day, I used to could do 30 dogs in one day. She said, now I barely do three or four. She said, I'm a 30-year-old woman. Prime of life, got no health problems. I've been to the doctor. She said, I have to go home every day and, la- and lay down and take a nap before I go to bed. She said, I'm just drained of energy. I said, oh, a little light bulb moment here. And I said, oh, you are. So what I'm dealing with here, I realize, is a vampire spirit.
4: Mm.
2: But there's got to be a reason why this thing has jumped on her. So I said, look, have you been playing around with the occult? Have you been... Doing something wrong? Is somebody, have you got somebody mad against, uh, at you? Or you got an enemy? She said, well, one thing happened a few months ago. This woman moved in next door. She showed me another house I told you about in the corner. And said that she was a Mama Loa. And she described her as a big, a big kind of fat African-American woman. Okay. She was, and she actually said she was a Mama Loa. Now, a Mama Loa is a word for a voodoo priestess oh okay yeah and um there's a papa loa and there's a mama loa man a and woman and so the mama loa came to see her as soon as she moved in she came just to the dog room place and the lady she said she did she had a bad feeling about her when she came in the door she said something just you know a lot of women are very intuitive about these things okay uh, that's just women being women uh and that's good because that's part of their makeup sure sensitivity yeah anyway she said i had a bad feeling about this woman and she said and the woman says look i brought you a gift and it was a bottle of black liquid a little small bottle she said you keep this in your house and it'll give you good luck and you'll have more money and all that stuff and she said i took the bottle i know that shouldn't have but i took it i said oh, i wish you hadn't done that actually. i said where is the bottle she said well i threw it away I said, oh, i wish you hadn't done that either i said this woman has put some kind of a vampire spirit on you. That's what's going on here. She's, she's wished you bad luck and not good luck. And because all this stuff started, when this woman did this. And she said this woman had moved away now. She wasn't there anymore. And she said she talked to the man who owned that house. And she said that woman had wrote all kinds of weird stuff on the walls in his house. And there were dead chickens. There were all this stuff. So, <laughs> so I said, "Oh, let's well, fix the bill." So I'm gonna go outside and look for a fetish, because a lot of times, if a voodoo curse is placed on someone, they they leave a fetish. Now, a fetish can be a lot like a little bag of stuff, or a chicken feathers tied in a certain way, and bones and all that stuff. Well, I look for the fetish, because Right, the stuff, voodoo
1: bag is always part of the ritual kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's it's a way yeah, to the, the center that. of the yeah.
2: power or whatever. And they got to leave it at the place with the person they cursed. Um, That's why I tell I warn people a lot of times, be careful what you bring in your house. It can cause you some problems. Anyway, uh, I looked for the fetish but didn't find it, but it had been several months. It could have been anyway. So I go back in to bless the house. I had my partner with me. And I told the the man and the woman to stay upstairs. I said, I'm going to start in the basement because they didn't have an attic. I'm going to start in the basement. And and uh, I got the holy water out. I started down the steps. And about the time, let me explain this basement in a minute. The basement is sort of what we call a half basement. It had a little bit of a cement floor, but then you could see the under part of the house, the dirt, and you could see the outside vents. So it was sort of an open half basement. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Got my drift on that. Yes. Yeah. So by the time I hit the bottom step and I started to take the holy water and do the cross. Something rushes by me. I felt it like a wind blow by me, and it wasn't. It wasn't windy that day. There wasn't no wind blowing up underneath the house. No dirt moved at all. Because I was standing looking at it. My partner, who was with me, the guy who was with me, said he saw a black shadow pass behind me and go up the stair. He said about the time I did this, there was a bam, big loud noise, and I knew immediately that spirit had left that house. I didn't even have a chance to. <laughs> Right. I went ahead and finished blessing the house, but I didn't get a chance to throw it, trying to get him rid of him. He he was ready to leave. But um, I go back upstairs and I tell the woman, I said, look, you know, I, I, I pray for her. I bless her. I always use a uh, consecrated, uh, bless all, bless all. I always include everybody in the house with that. And I said, look, your problem's all uh, that thing left us out. She said, we heard the noise. We heard it upstairs. I said, well, that was it leaving. Oh, and I wow, said, that's great. I'm just going to make sure that it don't come back and bother you anymore. But I said, you're free from this vampire spirit now. So about two months later after this, oh, so she wanted me to go next door and bless her house, too. So I had that double house blessing. Sure. It. So I blessed the house, too. So about two months later, lady called back. She said, "Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Curl. I am doing forty dogs again a day here. I'm doing a bunch of dogs. i I feel I haven't felt this well in months, you know. And I said, I well, don't thank me. That was that was a higher power took care of you. I said, uh, but I'm glad to hear you're doing okay. And uh, don't take any more bottles from people that you don't know.
1: <laughs> right. So why do you think the the Mama Lowe would be interested in in doing this tour, or you know, did they have some kind of argument?
2: No, I think, I think that she felt that the woman didn't want her there, Hmm. the Mama Loa, felt that there was some animosity there, and she picked up on it, and she was just, I don't know, she just maybe wanted to do a little test to see if she could run this woman off, or uh, the causers must, they might have looked at each other wrong at one time or another, I don't know, I didn't get the whole story on that, but. It was a definite curse, Uh, and I've run into a lot of curses like that. There can be generational curses. There can be spells and stuff like that that are bad, bad things. Uh, And this was definitely one of the first of the vampire-type spirits I've talked about. Vampires are real, although they're not like what Hollywood depicts them. They don't sleep in coffins and, and all this stuff, but they are real. They can draw off of um, I, I wrote this in my book the other day uh they can draw off the very actual life energy of your soul so to speak they're very dangerous to deal with and make it so you can't walk your dogs
4: yeah oh well, yeah
1: Dennis, one last question. Uh, a couple of tips for anybody to kind of, if, if they think that they're dealing with some demonic activity. Number one, what's a sign that's a demon? And number two, what's the next thing you do after you think you're dealing with some kind of weird demon?
2: Okay, a lot of the uh, demonic signs, and they are in my book, Beyond the Shadows, I, I give about 30-some-odd hmm. signs. I'm not signs. sure what I, actually, that question. Uh, I've actually had people... Um, say uh mr kirk i got three or four signs of my demon possessed or whatever is going on with that and i say uh no it takes a few more than that (laughs) Sure. but uh, there are certain basic signs when someone uh does a 360 degree turn from what they actually act like in their their whole life uh there's something going on there if they're not you mean
1: 180
2: degree turn or yeah Sorry, just wanted to clarify that, because 360, like, that's all the way around. It's like, wait. Uh, 360 degree, I mean, completely turn around from right. what they are. It's like that ball that's telling you about. He was out there cussing and and, and beating it. It's completely different from what he is. That's a sure sign there. Something is definitely going on. Of course, that could be mental illness, too, of course. But that's a sign something's not right. But there will also be, a lot of times, paranormal activity connected with this. Things will disappear and reappear in places. There can be the uh, the classic uh, smell of sulfur, mm. brimstone, rotten egg kind of smell. There can be um, pretty natural knowledge. Somebody actually feeling something that's going to happen before it does, and it does take place. Uh, and uh, they've never done that before. So, like having ESP all of a sudden for no reason. Right. Uh, my dog agrees with that. And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, there are basic signs but it takes a lot to understand what's going on there can be an aversion to religious objects there can be uh uh drug abuse involved with it they can be uh uh, a lot of different things going on so you got to take the whole package but if you feel like and here's the second you know for the the answer for the second tip, if you feel like that there is a demonic thing going on there, and you need to call someone that knows, someone like me, not just me, but anyone that does what I do—a demonologist or or a priest or a um, a pastor, um, uh, in clergy—and ask them for their advice on it. Go try to get help immediately. But here's what—let me tell you this. I had a guy tell me not long ago that uh, Mr. Carroll, I want—I don't want to go through the house, but and all that. Can I learn to live with this demon? I say, well, you could try, but in the end, the number one goal of the demon is to destroy you. And I just wouldn't want to live but try to live with anything like that. So if you feel like you have, truly have this problem, and there are other indicators, like I say, uh, you can find it in my book and in other sources, um, get help don't let it go on because I like here's what I like to say I like to nip it nip it in the bud before it gets too big before it gets too powerful and too strong there then things can re- really bad things can happen so well absolutely uh, and that's I mean if you think you have a bad
1: roommate uh, try a roommate that wants to destroy your soul <laughs> like so the roommate like,
2: from hell moving in with you <laughs> right literally the roommate from hell literally yeah well uh, uh, Dennis Carol, I gotta thank you for your
1: time today it was really enjoyable to talk about demonology with you and uh, exorcism and all these kind of things. Uh, if people are looking for your books, they can find it. DennisW.Carroll.com. DennisW.Carroll, two R's, two L's.com. And they're going to be in the show notes. Other side podcast.com too. And the show notes for this episode will have links to all of Dennis's work. Beyond the Shadows. He's got his Sunshine and Shadow Road Unseen and his poetic work. And he's got, uh, what's the name of the new book coming out?
2: The demon, the demon Factor. Demon Factor. Beyond the Edge of
1: Supernatural Darkness. So, uh, if you're interested and enjoyed the conversation, make sure you check out DennisWCarroll.com. Two R's, two L's, and check out his books. So, don't forget, you can find links to Dennis's books and more of his and his website at OtherSidePodcast.com/135. You'll be able to learn more about Dennis W. Carroll's demonology. Hmm. And. Uh, we were talking about St. Patrick's Day before, and so uh, we wanted to give a quick preview of our friends in the Singular Fordian blog. Oh, yes. Fellow Madisonians yes. as well. And uh, they do a supernatural and paranormal blog where they put up cool posts and images and pictures and stuff like that all the time. I've, I've got been. Tobias and Emily are working on it. I've got Emily, one of her one of her pictures of a vampire is what I have as my iPhone cover. Ooh, yeah, cool. So, so they're a lot of fun, and you can find them at the singularfortian.com. But we talked to Tobias about their St. Patrick's Day special coming up. And we're here with Tobias Whalen from one of our favorite blogs about the paranormal, and that is the singular Fortian, and coming here to talk about the latest article and the stuff they got coming up in the Singular Fortian is Tobias. How are you doing today?
5: Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, It's always a pleasure. Yes. Uh, We had the unique opportunity this evening, actually, to go check out uh, what turned out to be uh, an amazing traditional uh, Irish uh, trio, Okay, and uh, they, they, they play traditional Irish music and uh, afterwards we got to sit down with one of their members uh named Sheila and she told us a little bit about um uh, uh traditional Irish folklore surrounding specifically uh, uh music and it was just so odd they actually have this uh traditional belief that certain music that um that is apparently very popular in, in Ireland, actually originates from another world, like fairy music, basically.
1: Oh, so you guys were talking about fairies. Now, Yeah. Uh, you know, I was the kind of guy that I thought fairies were just the stupidest thing in the world for the longest time until the past <laughs> few months when I'm starting to learn that, sure. well, maybe fairy folklore isn't as crazy as I once thought.
5: Right. Well, you know, honestly, um, I... At a pretty young age, got into some authors like Jacques Vallee and and John Keel and people like that, and they have some pretty interesting ideas uh, that sort of tie um, you know early uh, fairy tales and and fairy folklore together with uh, modern uh, you know UFO experiencers and and ghosts and and things like that. So, I think that they're definitely all connected, and and certainly the stories you know they must come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, I I think it's just a, a different way of describing a common experience, you know.
1: So what are some of the things that you guys are talking about on the Singular Forty in this month?
5: Oh uh, yeah, well you know obviously it's March uh, and we've got St Patrick's Day coming up, so uh, we've taken um, you know a, 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 a trip to Ireland more or less, mm-hmm. um, where we're sort of examining the different myths and legends uh, of the Emerald Isles. And uh, you know, so we're you know we're we're, we're talking about leprechauns and uh, the the origin of the holiday itself, which is fascinating, by the way. Like I, I don't know that a lot of people in secular society really appreciate the fact that St. Patrick's Day, uh, it, it's it's a religious holiday.
1: Oh yeah,
4: you know,
5: and 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 it it has been for you know since like the fifth century. You know, well, I should say since, I, I think it was popularized probably closer to, like, the 17th century, but, I, you know, I mean, the 5th century is when St. Patrick lived.
1: Right, and he drove all the snakes out of Ireland, a place that I would not traditionally think that a lot of snakes were at.
5: Well, actually, funny story about that, um, as far as I'm aware, uh, that's actually an, an, an allegory about his treatment of pagan society, like the huh. the, the the snakes in that story, yeah, it is it actually describes him uh, driving like the druids and like the, the traditional Celtic pagan practices out of Ireland, which, you know, are, are villainized um as, you know, Victors always write the the history books. Of course. And and and, and thus, yeah, like thus like they're described as snakes in, in, in the story, but really he was driving out all of the pagans.
1: Well, okay, that's cool. I, I hadn't I hadn't known that before. Uh, anything surprising that you learned about the folklore? Or what's the most surprising thing you learned about the folklore, Ireland, or something that maybe you didn't know before?
5: Yeah, honestly, I would have to say it was our interview tonight. Like, I had never heard about uh, people claiming that uh, there is actual music that exists um, that People think originated from fairies, like music that has like that that wasn't written by by any human hand, which is just fascinating to me actually, uh, we'll have a link for it in the article, but Sheila has promised that she's going to send me an actual example of supposed fairy music that was written you know supposedly by fairies. It's a, a traditional Irish you know folk song, mm-hmm. but uh, supposedly uh it was not written by human hands, so. Fantastic. I'm excited to hear it.
1: And so when people, uh, first of all, when's that article coming out?
5: Uh, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and publish that on St. Patrick's Day.
1: Okay. So March 17th, make sure you check out Tobias' website at?
5: Uh, actually, it's uh, singularfortian.com. Uh, and we are known as a Singular Fortian society, but that would be way too long. So just singularfortian.com. Make sure you check it out.
0: Well, the luck of the Irish will be with them. <laughs> I do. I think so. I think so
1: you know who the the luck's not with (laughs) Who's the luck not with Mike the protagonist of this week's song so uh, oh yeah so Dennis W. Carroll one of the things he was talking about is how when you're he has too much negative emotion negative energy then that makes you vulnerable to demonic influence See,
0: yet another reason to
1: stay positive that's absolutely right so stay positive Um, but the character in this song goes through a breakup and definitely does not stay positive Yeah. So uh, this one is off our album, Neanderthal. This is the Sunspot song Eat Out My Heart.
0: listening to today's episode you can find us online at othersidepodcast.com until next time see you on the other side oh gosh we're not done yet we're never done no not until we say thanks to our awesome patrons the greatest people on earth. the, the patrons really are the
1: greatest people on earth and a special thanks to dr ned who yes. uh, is at the level where he gets a shout out in every single episode. Thank you, Dr. Thank Ned. you, Ned. And thanks to all our awesome Patreons who make uh, Other Side Podcast and new Sunspot songs and everything possible. And if you would like to join the ranks of the finest of humanity, you'll go to othersidepodcast.com <laughs> slash donate, and that's where you can learn more on how to become part of the sweet See You on the Other Side community.
4: Uh, my dog agrees with that.